Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. It's time for another episode of Birds with Friends. Just a trio of feathery brethren, weather in any season to see the Eagles eating teams like Scrammy's Top with Cheese. It's Philadelphia. Bo Sheel and Zach kicking it. Cooler than three penguins till Zach runs off with his valet keys. He's a real nuanced goose. Pull up a branch, get loose. It's time for some juice on some Birds with Friends. The early bird gets the worm, but prefers getting turned like a turn on some Birds with Friends. Bo Sheel and Zach coming at you with steps and things like their wings on. Well, my wife says the Birds with Friends listeners are getting the real me. You know, at, at times she says, what are you doing? You're like letting too much of yourself out there. You, you sound crazy. I definitely like, don't recommend that, Chio. So uh, the Birds with Friends listeners should have an appreciation for it. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of Birds with Friends. Bo Wolf here. Unfortunately, despite the amount of news there is to get to, I can't be certain how high this podcast specifically will rank in the iTunes rankings, nor do I know exactly what other opportunities it will lead to for the three of us. And so because of that, I will be bowing out. No more episode for me. Shield, Zach, take it away. All right. Welcome to a new edition of Birds with Friends. Shield Kapadia here hosting with Zach Berman and Marissa Morris. Zach, uh, you know, Bo just, you know, I get the joke. Again, he goes in down his usual path of not explaining the joke, just assuming everybody is checking Twitter 24 hours a day, which, you know, I think our audience probably gets the joke, but uh, he just he just can't stay away, can he? Yeah, he cannot. You know, it's it's interesting. I, w- I was thinking, like, there's an expectation of the people we cover, like things just roll off their shoulders. Um, but <laughs> like we're the opposite. One tweet, and all of a sudden, it's it's uh, um, Bo is is running that joke around. But yeah, I if 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 people do not understand the joke, you can check uh, Shield's timeline from last week or from earlier this there week, I should say. There you go. You can check my li- timeline, or you can check Trey Wingo's timeline, and you will find it uh, somewhere there. Okay. I was so, trying to get people to read your article, so I was saying go check Shields' timeline. Yeah, it was. Yeah. Uh, well, even even his tweet, you know, the sure. the article was linked there, so I I do appreciate the the promotion for sure. Okay. What we're going to get to today, you know, last time we did an episode, we were supposed to have a mailbag section. We did not get to it. So today. We're going to run through some some news early on, and then we're just going to knock out some of these questions. You know, we, we have a lot to get to. A lot of them are draft-related, so it's a good way to jump into the draft. So before we do that, I will kick it over to the Stone Cold Newsman. The Philadelphia Eagles signed linebacker Eric Wilson from the Minnesota Vikings. Eric Wilson signs a one-year deal worth up to $3.5 million, according to the outstanding NFL Network reporter Mike Garofolo. Uh Wilson, 26 years old, will be 27 during the season, was ranked by Shio Kapadia as the number 83 overall unrestricted free agent this year. I believe the fifth off-ball linebacker was a starter in Minnesota last year, an emerging player, and is likely to be the uh, top linebacker for the Eagles this season. The Eagles also signed running back Jordan Howard. Uh, Howard also signs a, a one-year deal. Howard, who was obviously with the Eagles in 2019, signs with the Dolphins last year, got cut by the Dolphins, signed to the Eagles practice squad, did appear uh, for the Eagles last season, but now he is under contract for 2021 as that power running back, if you will. The terms of that deal, not yet out, but I would imagine it is a uh, it is a low deal, a chance for Jordan Howard to try to reset his value. There you go. So I, I was uh, I was surprised that Eric Wilson was on the market as long as he was. I, I actually, you know, I, I think we've been 
critical of a lot of things the Eagles have done. Uh, I thought this was a good deal. He's a player uh, that I liked when I was doing my free agency work. He's 27 years old. He got a chance to play a lot last year, and he was 13th in the NFL with 121 tackles. Uh, He had three sacks, eight tackles for loss, eight passes defended, Zach, third among all off-ball linebackers, and three interceptions, which was tied for first. So this is somebody, you know, we talk about the linebacker position quite a bit, and I think you have to have somebody who's going to impact the passing game. Uh, I'm not going to say he's going to be Fred Warner of the 49ers or anything like that, but he certainly has some upside there where he's somebody you can keep on the field uh, for all three downs and he can help you with your pass coverage. So at the price they got him up to 3.25 million, that's great. I I actually, you you know, I I wonder if they try to get him for a little bit longer because he obviously Mm -hmm. didn't have much of a market, whether they were looking for maybe some kind of team option or maybe a two-year deal with a little bit more of a bump because uh, I think he fell in that category of a lot of the middle-class free agents where they said, you know what? The market's not there for me this year. I'm still in my uh, mid to late 20s. I'll try to play one year on a low deal contract and then I will try to test the market again next offseason. So, you know, if he plays well in this scheme and he emerges as a good culture guy or anything like that, uh, he's somebody you could look to re-sign, I think, after the season. Yeah, I, I, I understand we're supposed to uh, almost naturally have like a dose of skepticism or perhaps even more than a dose when we look at these things. And, and frankly, given the Eagles' recent uh, track record of signing free agent linebackers, that would certainly be understood, that type of skepticism. But it would be hypocritical of me, frankly, for me not to uh, give them credit for the signing because throughout free agency, uh, I, I wrote the first week of free agency that – Eric Wilson should uh, should be a top target for the Eagles, and and frankly, I thought at the time it was going to require more years and more money than what it cost them. So to get it at to get the player and to get the player at that price uh, is is good value. I understand that recent history with linebackers. I think this one is more comparable to the Nigel Bradham signing in 2016 than, say, Corey Nelson in 2018. The reason I say that is because there's familiarity with the player. Uh, Nick Rallis, the Eagles linebackers coach, was the assistant linebackers coach in Minnesota last year. Uh, So you have that background. And then also, in terms of the scheme, Jonathan Gannon is expected to run a scheme that's comparable to what the Vikings ran. So it's, it's not hard to project Wilson in the Eagles' defense. It makes sense for Wilson because... Uh, like you said, if, if, if he's going to get back on the market next year, this is a chance to really be showcased. I, I imagine he'll be the Eagles' number one linebacker, and, uh, and if, if there isn't that adjustment to the scheme, then he has a chance to raise, his, to raise his value still young, and he'll be on the market next year. And when Eagles have more cap space next year, maybe they'll be more inclined to pay him, similar to what they did to Nigel Bradham after a two-year deal back in sixteen. So what's the the depth chart if they start a game tomorrow? What do you think? Wilson, Singleton, and TJ Edwards in, in base, and and Wilson and Singleton in, in nickel. Or am I if, missing somebody? Yeah, if if they play the game tomorrow, that's what I would say. Uh, now I imagine Davion Taylor during training camp is going to get a chance to try to earn playing time, considering that he was your third round pick. Um, and then we'll see what happens in the in the draft. But in the idea, you know, to use that expression, if you play the game tomorrow, so before the draft, I would say Singleton and Wilson are your top two. Edwards is probably the third, but then Taylor will will get a chance to earn time. And then I suppose they'll see how Jannard Avery looks changing positions as well. Yeah, I, I think Wilson and uh, Singleton is fine, actually. You know, I mean, <laughs> I, I don't, I compared to what they've had at linebacker some of these years, uh, I don't think that's a bad combination. I liked, uh, I liked a lot of what we saw from Singleton last year, and I think Wilson does offer you some upside. So uh, maybe, maybe their best offseason move so far. Am I missing any? I know I like it better than Flacco. The listeners know I like it better than Flacco. Uh, yeah, Harris is wh- a more established player. But oh right, Harry. Yeah. Well, yeah. I I think I would like this one better because yeah. I think I think this one gives you a chance to re-sign the play. You know, I would be surprised if they brought Harris back over thirty after this season. I and I'm not really that worried about this season. So I think this one is a nice one-year trial. Maybe he won't be good. That's okay. You're not paying much. Maybe he will be good, and uh, you you can make him part of your uh, part of your defense 
for years, uh, a few years to come. Absolutely, so going in, yeah, yeah, going in, in, into the offseason, I, I think what you want for the Eagles is is you obviously wanted flexibility, right? Because um, they are in in transition, and then you want youth. And so if if they're going to sign a player, a 27 year old linebacker who you know to use your term, an ascending player, uh, that's that's the type of player they they should target. Like it's it's better than signing Zach Brown in free agency, right? And I understand they're at a different stage of their roster building than when they signed Brown two years ago. But 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 this is the type of player that it, it makes sense for them to go after. It took me a minute to remember who Zach Brown was. <laughs> Just uh, I know that's a little bit too on brand for me, but that's the truth. The wheels were spinning, and then I was able to picture his face. Uh, that he what, what did he say? He had a controversial thing, right? Didn't he? What did he say the one time? Yeah, Kirk Cousins. Uh, right. He, he, he wasn't that impressed with Kirk Cousins. <laughs> right. Yeah. That's what it was. Yeah. I was like, oh boy. Okay. Yeah, they, I, think well, they, I think he said they want to make Kirk Cousins throw the ball. Okay, and, right. and then he ended up throwing the ball. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that didn't work out very well. Okay. Uh, Jordan Howard, I mean, I'll just give one quick thing on it. And if you have anything to add, I mean, until uh, I would assume that there's nothing in this contract that comes close to guaranteeing him a roster spot. And so I'm not going to get up in arms over it. Now, does it still speak to the, why do they just keep bringing the same guys back thing? I guess, uh, you know, I think ideally when Howard actually played and played well for them, that, you know, he, he would not be a bad uh, change of pace to Miles Sanders, but uh, you know, at this point, you're just kind of signing a guy and uh, trying to upgrade in the draft, and then you'll figure it out in August. So I feel like Bo would really crush them if he were here, but you know, I can't get too up in arms about it. Now, do you know how old Jordan Howard is? He's going to be 27 for like the next 10 years, isn't he? <laughs> is yeah, that what he is? He's 26 right now. He turns 27 yeah. during the season, I, I I believe. Like he's he's I was thinking about it with Sammy Watkins when I saw Sammy Watkins sign with the Ravens, and and Watkins I believe is 27 years old right now. Um, some of these guys just seem like they're in their mid 20s for like five years, right? Um, so uh, Jordan Howard's really not that old. I, I I know there's tread on his tires, obviously not from last season, but from earlier in his career or. I actually used the expression incorrectly. There's not as much tread on his. If you have tread on your tires, then <laughs> then you have more. You know, then you haven't been used that much. So he has less tread on his tires than maybe uh, someone typically his his age. Although he hasn't gotten a lot of carries these past two seasons, uh, really three seasons dating back to his, his, his last year in Chicago. I th- I thought he was really helpful to the Eagles two years ago. Uh, had the injury at the end of that year. Clearly did not work out with the Dolphins that year. Clearly did not add anything to the Eagles uh, this year. But uh, or uh, I'm sorry, in, in in 2020. But like you said, I can't imagine there's much in this contract. You can you can do worse for like a a, a low cost running back than someone with his experience and his background. You know how to do you know how to change a flat tire? Have you ever done that? I've I've done it in the like uh, company of somebody else. Uh, so oh, I wasn't yeah. helper one, guy. So, I like yeah. doing a helper guy. You need something <laughs> exactly. to drink? You okay there? Yeah. Yeah. So I, I I I've been like, can you like help me crank this? But I I wasn't the one physically changing the tire. No, I mean I I am not. If if I get a flat tire, I'm like uh. Uh, I'm not the one fixing it. So triple A has, has had a, basically a lifetime membership with the Capati family since I was, uh, I was very young. And so when you have triple A, you know, any, anytime something happens like that, you're like, I'm going to get use out of my, uh, membership here. And so, yeah, you know, I don't, uh, I don't change flat tires. The only thing I know how to do with a car, and this is not impressive. Trust me. Like I can change the, uh, the washer fluid. You know, nice. you just That's o- good, open yeah. the hood up, yeah. you order the big bottle. And then, uh, you know, I like using the, the washer fluid. I like, you know, when all those bugs are stuck to the windshield, I like to be liberal with that and, uh, and make sure you clean that bad boy. Yeah, that is, I, I can do that as, as well. I, I think my, I, I talk about my father-in-law on this podcast sometimes. I think my father-in-law had an expectation that I would know how to change a tire, and, and uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's a, another area where I felt deficient. There you go. I would say that I would say the, 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 like, uh, you know, I, I know people who listen probably, I think I ooze like machismo, like, uh, you know, I'm a real man's man, I think is the vibe, uh, that I give off. Um, so I, I, yesterday I did get my first mowing the lawn in of the year, which is like the one thing that I, uh, that I actually do. And I kind of do enjoy 
mowing the lawn, you know, getting a look at it afterwards. Uh, it's kind of a rewarding experience. And I know you don't have much of a lawn since you're in the city. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm in the city, but I, I have heard it's a good thing to do listening to a podcast. Yes. Like, like birds with friends. Yes. This is a thing when you get to be a, a parent and, uh, you know, you love your kids. You want to spend time with your kids, but sometimes you need a little time for yourself. And so you find those little things, whether it's washing the dishes or doing the laundry or mowing the lawn where you can just, you know, stick the AirPods in there, uh, get some you time. You deserve it. All right. Let's get to some of these mailbag questions. People have been waiting very patiently. So I'm just going to, you know, I sent you an email. I just copied and pasted. They're in no order. And so we will just get to them from the beginning. Okay. This is from Maxi Boy. He says, Pecknest migrate. Which one you think is the most likely outcome? Jalen Hurts is the guy and the quarterback going forward beyond 2021. Two, the Eagles trade up to a top pick in the first round next year to get a quarterback. Or three, Eagles trade for a starting veteran, Russell Wilson, Deshaun Watson, somebody of that ilk at any point. What do, what do you think? Now, somebody else did suggest, do I think it was Rich Bobby, uh, Defop, Rich, Fo- Rich Bobby suggested doing this as a turkeys to the kingdom. So I'll let you decide whether you want to do a peck nest migrate or a turkeys to the kingdom with this. Yeah, so the pest neck, my, the pest neck, peck nest <laughs> migrate, uh, pest, <laughs> yeah, yeah, peck nest migrate would, would need to be my preference for it, not the most likely one, right? Like if, if, if we were doing. No, most, I think most likely. Yeah, so if it's most likely, it has to be turn kings to the turn king. Right. Yeah, yeah, turkeys to the kingdom. Or okay, let's do that. It. Yeah, because otherwise, you know, we're kind of putting our our own uh, preference on it. If it's the if if it's the other way, so turn keys to the kingdom. Uh, I will go. So so there's not a fourth option here, which is like hurts for two years and then a quarterback in 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 uh, two years. But I I would go with uh, hurts. As the quarterback long term for 30, I will go with trading for the veteran at 25, and I would go with uh, trading up, or it might not even be trading up. Maybe you know the Eagles aren't very good, or the Dolphins aren't very good, you know, um, and or the Colts. You know, if you get that Colts pick, I imagine the Colts are good. But right. uh, it, it 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 could be with a with a, a pick they already have, but using a first round pick next year on a quarterback that I I would give that probably what do I have left forty five left. Um, you did th- you did yeah. thirty for Hertz, twenty five for trade to play. Or oh, so, so I have, yeah yeah okay yeah so then I I would go the rest with the draft pick. Okay, I th- I think I'm on the same page with you there. Um, now, like, like the idea of trading for a uh, veteran quarterback, I don't think is out of the question. I think that would might be something that they would like to do. I just look at the roster, and you know, going into next offseason, I don't think it's going to be in great shape. So typically, a team that would do that would say, "We're kind of a quarterback away. If we could just add a quarterback, we can really compete for a Super Bowl here." And I don't think they're going to be in that spot. Now, things can change. You know, jail. Let's say Jalen Rager takes off. Let's say they knock this draft out of the park. Let's say Derek Barnett and Josh Sweat combine for 20 sacks next year. Again, these are all big ifs. These are hypotheticals. These are not the most likely scenarios. But something like that uh, could potentially happen. Jordan Mailata. You know, maybe Andre Dillon gets at who knows all those things could happen but that would have to happen for you to sort of be in position to trade for that veteran next year so i do think that's probably the least likely uh scenario there i'm gonna bump it down a little bit and make it uh 20 you had 25 so that leaves me with 80 to spend on trade up and hurts I will stick with your uh you know i know we don't have to do round numbers so how about i do 47 that they trade up uh, and find a, or maybe don't trade up, but they draft a quarterback early next year. And that leaves me with 33 that Jalen Hurts is the guy for them uh, beyond next season. Now, Zach, I was thinking, you know, as I dive into the draft prep here a little bit, a thought in my mind was, I wonder if they just made a big mistake, not just addressing quarterback in this draft. You know, there, you look at it and this is a strong class and you have the sixth pick, and there's a good chance that the Falcons are going to trade out of four. There's even a chance you could sit and sit at six and get a guy. 
And like, these are all really talented guys. And especially if the 49ers are taking Mac Jones at number three, and that pushes Trey Lance and Justin Fields down the board. I wonder, you know, there, there's some what if potential with this draft where they look back on it and think, man, you know, we could have just drafted one of those quarterbacks. We could have let them compete with Jalen Hurts. And we really could have figured out a long-term solution for that position a year earlier than we felt like, uh, we actually did. And so um, that's just something to keep in mind as I look at some of these mock drafts and uh, look at the strengths and weaknesses of this class. Now, who knows? Maybe next year's draft uh, will be will be better on quarterbacks than we think it will be now. But uh, I do think these are like really interesting prospects in the first round of this draft at quarterback. Like they're all talented guys. They all have some flaws, but you can really see the upside with a lot of these guys. Well, what do you think of that? Yeah, I I think you are well. I I I I believe you're correct. The thing about it is that my guess is they didn't think one of those quarterbacks was going to be there at six, or a quarterback they liked was 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 going to be there at six. Their evaluations might be different than our evaluations. I, I mean, I I I think very highly of Justin Fields. Um, you know what he did against Clemson was outstanding. You don't want to put too much on on one game, but. Uh, He's he's just a he's a high level player with with significant upside. Uh, that being said, if quarterbacks go one two three four, per, uh, and I'm not ruling out quarterbacks going one two three four five. Like like what's to say the Bengals don't trade out of that spot if a team like Denver, a team like New England wants to trade up and 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 ensure they can get Fields. Um, no, uh, I'm sorry, ensure they can get Lance. So there's a chance quarterbacks go top five. Uh, certainly, I I do think they're going to go one two three four. And my guess is the Eagles just saw the chance of getting that first rounder next year as more valuable than the waiting game. But if the board does fall that Fields and or Lance are there at six, that is certainly a conversation that we'll be having. And it, it frankly could be comparable to like, you know, the Bills trading out of the Mahomes spot um, because they wanted to build the rest of their roster. And, uh, and it turns into a generational type player. Yeah, I, it really comes down to five with the Bengals. I mean, so the Eagles cannot be sure, you know, with their information because for the Bengals to trade out of it, and I agree with you, that certainly could happen. I do expect the Falcons to trade out of four and for a quarterback to go there. So I feel pretty strongly that the top four picks are going to be quarterbacks. But five, like, you know, the Bengals need to, uh, what would need to happen would be that the Bengals find a deal that they really like that makes it worth their while. And man, they've got big holes on their roster and they want to build around Joe Burrow. So it's not like they're supremely motivated to trade out of that spot. They need blue chip players on the roster. And then you would need a team that not only is willing to give up significant draft compensation, but also is in love with whichever that last quarterback is, you know, which we don't know who that's going to be that last quarterback available at five. So uh, something I'm sure we'll continue to talk about in the weeks ahead and definitely on draft night because I do think sort of in the Eagles building, the thought was, let's just give Hertz a, a chance. We're not positioned to take a big swing at a quarterback this year. Um, you know, we'll just kind of rebuild the roster a little bit and revisit that next year. But, you know, there's a chance that that is something that they end up regretting. Okay. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Now, now real quick, uh, yeah. a little sh- um, flex, if you will, is, is okay. uh, go back to uh, Monday on, on The Athletic. We had a piece... Uh, Outlining Eagles um, eight 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 possibilities with with a quarterback and and we looked at this at the chance of turning to Jalen Hurts the chance of positioning themselves for drafting a quarterback next year and also trade possibilities and I I have the good fortune of having a a, a national reporter um, like pinned to the favorites in my text exchange so I was able to text a national reporter last week being like uh, uh, you know as I was working on the story which quarterbacks might be available next year who who could be next year's Matthew Stafford who could be next year's Carson Wentz so uh, uh, please check that story out on the athletic it dropped on Monday 
Yeah, who who were just just who were a couple of the names we decided on? Uh, Derek Carr. Um, right. We as like the Stafford type, we left open the possibility that it could or or the Wentz type, and then it could be um, Aaron Rodgers. Now, I imagine Aaron Rodgers would dictate where he goes. Yeah. Uh, we talked about uh, potentially Baker Mayfield. Um, but I, I, I do think the Browns really like him. That being said, the Eagles really liked Carson Wentz a year ago, right? Uh, but then the the name we discussed for like the the maybe the Sam Darnold comparison is Tua. Um, is that maybe next year the Eagles are in a position where they do what the Panthers did this year and uh, and trade for that former first round pick who's still on a rookie contract who you think just needs a change of scenery and maybe Tua is that player. Um, so. That's there would kind of be like an irony to that, considering Jalen Hurts is on the roster right now, right? <laughs> um, but uh, uh, in that article, we looked at a lot of different possibilities, and the thing we acknowledge too is is that a year ago we could not have foreseen Wentz being traded. So a lot depends on how this year goes. Oh, the other name we uh, talked about for the Stafford category was Matt Ryan. If um, if Stafford, if if the Falcons. Uh, were to take a quarterback this year, and I don't think they will. I I, I think they trade out of that four spot. But if they take like a, a Justin Fields at four, then maybe Matt Ryan becomes available next year, and the Eagles try to bring him in as as like a a, a two year, three year quarterback. Yeah, and of course we already mentioned uh, Russell Wilson. Yes, uh, and we have no idea what's going to happen with Deshaun Watson. Of yep. course, that is a uh, a wild situation to say the least. Now, none of those names you mentioned really excite me that much. So you know, maybe they would uh, make a move for one of those, but none of those feel like a yeah that would be a good fit of a player you really like, who's also not really old, who's not going to be here for just um, one year. So anyway, uh, next question. This is from uh, Taylor says. Predict the order of the 2022 first round picks uh, or Indy first doesn't convey uh, Eagles, Dolphins, and Colts. I would go in that order. Eagles, Dolphins, Colts. Okay. Eagles, Dolphins, Colts. I think I would. uh, Yes, I would agree with that. Uh, I would agree with that. Now, Now, is that Eagles pick top 10? I'm going to say, ooh. I'm going to say it's kind of, uh, I would say 10 to 15. I would say no. So the Eagles are are better in 2021 than they were in 2020? I think so. Okay. That's interesting. I think maybe like six, six, seven wins, I want to say. You see, the big question, and and again, I, I don't want to spend so much time on all these questions, but like is what's the threshold for going with Hertz versus like not, you know, if, if you're a seven and nine team or a six and 10 team, but Hertz shows promise. Do you go with Hertz or 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 do you strike for the quarterback? So, uh, you know, if if the Eagles are picking in the top ten next year, I imagine it's such that like Hertz wasn't that good, and they're going to want to address quarterback. But if you're in that eleven to fifteen range, um, you're you're kind of like what the Broncos are with uh, Drew Locke. So that's I'm I'm fascinated to see what happens there. Yeah, I mean, if you're, I feel like you have to be really bullish on Hertz to not explore other options next offseason. Like, it, it can't just be sort of a small little uh, step forward where you say, well, we kind of liked him, we kind of didn't like him. I think if that happens, they will at least explore bringing in uh, competition, maybe not taking a home run swing, but I think he would have to just be, have like a, you know, a, a fantastic year this season where it seems like he's captured the locker room. It seems like they know exactly how to use his skill set, um, and he plays really well, which, uh, you know, who knows? We, we will see um, what happens to him. The Wentz terms are he's got to play at least 75% of the Colts offensive snaps or he's got to play 70% of the Colts offensive snaps and they make the playoffs and then you get the first round pick now I think he's played at least 75 I want to say in three of his five NFL seasons correct Does that sound right correct. I think I looked yep. that up okay so the likelihood you know if you just go off that uh that rate would be that uh he's more like you're more likely to see that first round pick than to not see that first round pick okay Next question from F Dingus two says best case draft scenario for the Eagles at 12. And then Corey chimed in with the response to that and said, give me the worst case scenario also, please. So what I did Zach is, you know, I thought Bo's not here. So I'm going to make this the one 
episode where I actually do some show prep. And so uh, what I did was I did my own little mock for the first 11 picks. Right, and so I, th- I thought, let's, you know, let's see who could be available to them uh, at the number 12 pick. So you, you certainly don't have to go by this, but I think it will at least, uh, you know, give us some idea of which players we're talking about when we talk best case and worst case scenario. So uh, Jag number one, Jaguars, Trevor Lawrence, obviously no surprise there. Number two, Jets, Zach Wilson. That seems to be all the buzz there. Uh, I did go with Mac Jones to the 49ers at three. Now, I'm not going to believe that until the words come out of Roger Goodell's mouth. So I understand that that's all the buzz, but until I actually hear him say that's what they're doing, I will be at least a little bit uh, skeptical, but that's what the, you know, very well-sourced people, I I think Adam Schefter said he would be shocked uh, if Mac Jones is not the pick. Uh, I've got a trade at four. I've got the Broncos moving up to draft Trey Lance. And I was I was a little bit split on this, whether to have them take Lance or Justin Fields, but they definitely need a quarterback. And actually, it's not a bad roster. I kind of like their roster if they can figure out quarterback. So I've got the Broncos taking, taking Trey Lance. Now, five with the Bengals is a very key spot, I feel like, uh, for the Eagles because I ended up giving them Penne Sewell, the offensive tackle from Oregon. Now, a lot of the stuff you see out there will say Jamar Chase, the wide receiver, from LSU, our beat writer, Paul Denner Jr., who is pretty plugged in there, he said Sewell. He thought they're really going to focus on building up the offensive line in front of Burrow, and I think that might make sense. You know, there are going to be wide receivers available. It's not like they've got nothing at that position. I do feel like they need to build up their offensive line. So I think either of those picks would be defensible, but I've got them going Sewell. I've got the Dolphins taking Jamar Chase at six. I've got Washington trading up to seven to draft Justin Fields. So Washington. Washington, ends up getting, okay, that's interesting. Yeah, okay. they end up getting a quarterback there. We know they were interested in Matthew Stafford this offseason. They weren't able to find an answer. So if you're Washington, well, you know, it might take a couple second-round picks, I think. Why not go up there and get your quarterback if he falls to seven and take Justin Fields? Uh, Panthers at eight, take your boy Kyle Pitts. Nine, the Atlanta Falcons, who traded out of four down to nine. I've got them taking Rayshon Slater, the offensive lineman from Northwestern. Uh, I've got the Cowboys at 10. This is where, you know, getting close to the Eagles. Uh, I think they could explore a trade back here, but I had them taking Patrick Sertan, the cornerback from Alabama. You go to the Giants. I've got Aziz Ojaleri. The Ooh, edge rusher. Going edge, okay. Yeah. Well, you look at their roster, and you know they, they're the moves they made. You know the piece. If we're if, while we're plugging uh, athletic pieces here, I'll go ahead and do that. Uh, I did a piece with Jason Fitzgerald from Over the Cap this year that I do every year, where it's just what have we learned about each team so far this offseason. And if you look at the Giants, like they're getting a little impatient. Like they think they can be really competitive. I think in the short term, you know, they signed Kenny Galladay to 18 million a year, a Dory Jackson to $13 million a year. Who's the third guy I'm missing that they signed. They had one other big signing. They had a Galladay, they had Jackson and they had, um, uh, yeah, not, there is. not an offensive Leonard. Oh, Leonard Williams. They brought back okay, yeah. at, at a big price, you know, 21 million. So you make those moves and you think you're going to be like ready to really compete here. And so I was looking at their roster. I think interior O-line and edge rush are kind of the key areas for them. Now, do you draft a guard that early or do you say, let's go and take the upside uh, with the edge rusher? And uh, Ojalary is a player that I think we talked about last episode who would seem to, uh, you know, I kind of like what I see and read uh, about Ojalary. So that brings us to the Eagles at 12. And so um, I think some of the players you're looking at here would be Devontae Smith, Jalen Waddell, the two wide receivers from Alabama. You've got J.C. Horn, the cornerback from South Carolina, who you mocked to the Eagles recently. Um, you know, maybe a player like Patrick Sertan falls there. That that certainly is uh, within the realm of possibilities. And so I think, am I missing, do you think, anybody off the top of your head who could be available at that spot to, uh, I didn't just mention. Edge rusher, yeah. I mean, if if like okay. Quiddy Pay is is go. someone who who the Eagles want to go after in the Eagles' history, drafting the top half of the draft is O line, D line, quarterback, right? So uh, so you need to at least consider D line a possibility. Okay, all right. So the question was, 
best case and worst case scenario at 12. So I can go first on this one. Uh, I don't know if this is controversial, vanilla or what, but I feel like Devontae Smith is a great scenario at number 12. I mean, I, I think that he is a player that just screams to me, don't overthink this. You know, we went over the stats uh, last episode, nearly 4,000 yards and 46 touchdowns in his career. He's playing in the SEC. Uh, you know, he, he stayed healthy the last two years. I know there are concerns about his weight, but I was watching a little bit more of him and uh, I really like him. You know, some mix of Marvin Harrison and Antonio Brown, he looks like to me. And so, he just plucks the ball out of the air. I love his instincts, you know, like the little stuff. You can tell he knows how to play at that weight. Like he doesn't, it's not like the Deshaun Jackson thing where it's like, I'm going to avoid every big hit, but he plays with the toughness. But also the game, what I was watching, like he wasn't taking huge hits. He knew kind of how to protect his body and what to do. I mean, his catches on the sideline are unbelievable. Like his acrobatics and his footwork near the sideline are fantastic. He he knows like where the first down marker is. He's so competitive. You know, I think he really does play with such an edge, whether he, I don't know if it's a chip on his shoulder. I think uh, Dane Brugler said that uh, Smith grew up smaller than everyone else, which helped him develop that warrior temperament. So take that for what it's worth. But he Growing like, got up ejected. smaller than everyone else, my kind of guy. There you go. Uh, he got ejected in a game because he, he threw a punch in 2019. Now, you know, that's something the scouts, the, old, the concussion uncles would say, all right, bring me that guy <laughs> every time. But I do think there's like a competitiveness, a competitiveness and a toughness uh, to his game that is really appealing where you feel like, if you draft him, you're going to get the best version of him. Like you don't have to worry about, um, you know, him not achieving his potential. Now we can disagree. Maybe some people might disagree on what that potential is, but uh, I think he's got a high ceiling. I don't buy that. He's just like this safe pick who doesn't have the same ceiling as some of the other uh, wide receivers. I, I mean, I think he can be uh, an outstanding player. One of the best wide receivers in the league. He doesn't drop the football. He, he has a great feel. And so um, I guess uh, this is probably bad news for Devontae Smith, but uh, I love him. And, and I think really that sounds to me like it would pretty much be a best case scenario for the Eagles if he's available with that pick. And in your worst case scenario? My worst case scenario, it it's tough. I'm trying to think. I, I guess if the offensive, like if, if Rayshon Slater drops, mm-hmm. you know, like that, that isn't a pick that would probably really excite me. Uh, so I think if one of those tackles falls and one of the wide receivers gets taken, um, that would be a bad case scenario. I think if all three of those wide receivers get taken, that's probably not a great scenario, but even then, you know, one of the cornerbacks is going to fall to you. So I, I actually don't think they're in a bad spot. Like I, I think you're probably going to get either Smith, Waddle or Sertan, or if you like JC Horn, I think one of those four players, there's like a, there's a really high possibility that they're available. I guess the wild card is if a guy like Sewell falls, you know, then, then what do you do? Because I like everything I read about him, but you know, some of the people in the know, like a Daniel Jeremiah don't seem to think he's like an elite top 10 prospect. So if an offensive tackle falls, then I'm not, that might be a, a not, not a great scenario. I don't know what you really do there. Yeah, I I think you outlined it well. I, I think the best-case scenario for the Eagles, short of the best Philadelphia prospects since Matt Ryan falling to them, um, you know, because clearly in your mock draft, the Carolina Panthers uh, got the best pick there. Uh, quick thing there, Matt Rule was the first one to offer Kyle Pitts a, uh, a scholarship when Matt Rule was oh, nice the coach at Temple. Yeah, um, so uh, short of that happening, and I, I, I say that partly in, in jest, I think the— uh, the the three Alabama guys, Sertain, Waddle, and and uh, and and Smith, I I, I think uh, one or more of those guys falling to twelve is a good outcome for the Eagles. And I think I don't want to say it's the worst case because I I do agree with the idea of of building along the line. Um, but uh, what you said about you know maybe Slater, but I'm, I'm thinking more like the edge rushers. I think edge rusher is a long term need for the Eagles. Uh, I understand like like uh, Quiddy Pay's athleticism is is really appealing, and he was number one on Bruce Feldman's freak list. Uh, someone though who in you know I I I, I think four years at, at Michigan doesn't have more than 
11 or 12 sacks. I, I would need to look mm-hmm. that up particularly, but not like a prolific um, pass rusher at Michigan. I, that that would worry me more. So I I I would say like pushing edge rusher up because it's such an important position philosophically for you, and it's just a tough year for that. You know, one thing that you're hearing like when you're thinking about big picture trends from this year's draft is the lack of top end defensive talent relative to other years. If if you're drafting 12 in 2019, the type of defensive lineman you're looking at it was like staggering. If you're drafting 12 this year, it's not that same quality of defensive line. So I I, I think pushing the position because of your philosophical approach would be the worst case scenario this year. Yeah, I think we're on the same page. I think if one of those three Alabama guys is there and you draft them, that's absolutely a, a justifiable uh, pick there and, and a pretty good scenario. Okay, ski bro. Do you, do you ski, Zach? Are you a skier? I've never skied in my life. Uh, my like, man, I'm an honorary Indian right there. Yeah, I'm with you. Uh, we played team last... sports growing up. It's, it was, yeah. It was, yeah, so. Although played. last time I said that, some Indians did chime in and said that uh, they do ski, so. Listen, they're they're a different type of Indians. My type of Indian, we we weren't getting out there on this on the slopes. None of those balance things, you know. We weren't ice skating, we weren't skateboarding, none of that, you know. Yeah, I, I'm with you. We need like a ball, and we will we will play the, those sports and have a lot of fun. But don't ask us to uh, balance there. But anyway, Ski Bro asks, uh, we pasted the year one anniversary of the pandemic. I was curious, what non sports binge worthy shows have you been watching? or recommend my personal recommendations, he says, or she says, I guess it would be a he ski bro, uh, would be industry on HBO. And on the lighter side, people just do nothing. A UK garage comedy, which I don't even know what that means. What is a UK garage comedy? Well, the UK thing I can deduce, the garage comedy, uh, <laughs> like, does, are does, they does actually that mean like a, a car show? Or, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm curious too. I, I, I suppose I need to get out more. Um, I don't know that. I, I need to look up that term. And I, I I know Marissa's on um, on mute. If you know what garage show means, please chime in, Marissa. Or if you have, have a binge no worthy show, Marissa. Okay. I have okay. no idea. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I'm writing all, right, all these down the though. The <laughs> young people don't know either. That's good. Uh, so for me, uh, before the season started, I actually my my wife and I were watching a lot of TV. I I mean, not to be like like uh, concussion uncle here, but uh, <laughs> once the season started, like the amount of work that. You know, we had on like a nightly basis, and then, uh, and then since the off season, it's 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 been the same way. Haven't watched much TV since the beginning of the summer. <laughs> I was oh, going to oh, say we're in mo- we're in like month four of the off season. Yeah, but as, as, the as, season's as, been over for a while. Yeah, but they had a coaching change. Like it, it, it wasn't a I typical agree. January and February as as it did. And then they traded Carson, right? So there there hasn't been like that time to exhale yet. I I, I will catch up on shows this summer. But definitely, so the question was, we're a year in, 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 into the pandemic. My wife and I watched all of the Ozark seasons um, oh, like nice. a, a, around May last year. So that was one that jumped up. Uh, actually, Ted Lasso was one during the season because I, I remember watching that during training camp. So I, I actually take back what I said. I, I did watch, you know, like the 30-minute the weekly comedy you can watch, right? Outstanding. Um, yeah. yeah, that was perfect for that type of thing. Yeah, so I uh, did watch Ted Lasso. Uh, and then there are a few others that uh, we watched. But I, I I would say Ozark, like we knocked out Ozark in, in two weeks. That was definitely the uh, binge show for us this, this pandemic. There you go. Marissa, you How got anything? You? What, what are you watching nowadays? We're still watching The Sopranos. Almost okay. trying to get through that. <laughs> I like that. Yeah, it's been pretty good. And uh, and what what was the one? What was the like Gossip Girl in the 1700s show? What's oh, that Bridgerton. That was incredible. Yeah. You knocked that out, right? Yes, that was that okay. was my favorite. <laughs> but okay. the, the, have... the main character is not returning for season two, so I'm a little upset. Okay, I've not gotten to that. Now I did see uh, there's like a Gossip Girl reboot coming. Did you? Uh, were you a Gossip Girl fan? Hold on, guys, one second. There's someone knocking oh, on my door. <laughs> oh, sorry. Oh, Go no. ahead. Okay. I'll continue. Okay. Keep that in the pod. Okay. All right. So, <laughs> how about you, Shio? Uh, You know, I think we were saying we did the. Uh, we had a, a great. This was probably the best agreement my wife and I have had in nearly uh, ten years of marriage, where she agreed to watch Succession. I agreed to watch Veep and we were just knocking those out. You know, I had already watched Succession. She had already watched Veep. 
but we just, you know, it was no question every night what we were going to watch. And uh, it was great. I loved rewatching Succession. I forgot so much about it. Uh, it was great the second time around. And of course, uh, you know, Veep, I think you guys said you had already watched. I yep. thought that was very enjoyable just for a short, uh, uh, a shorter show. Um, what else? We got Bear Town. We just started. What's yeah, that about? You know? It's uh, it's a about a sort of town in uh, Sweden and an ice hockey team and um, then some more kind of serious stuff without uh, giving it away. And so uh, I didn't know there were going to be subtitles. There are subtitles. So if that's not for you, then I apologize. But we're only like, I think, two or three episodes into it. But I would say it's very, uh, very captivating. And we're enjoying that. And then, of course, our guilty pleasure has been, you know, since we first knew each other has been the challenge, which we watched together on MTV. And that that's the thing that it's like the night of after it DVRs, we're watching that. Now they've got this new challenge all-star thing on Paramount Plus, which I'm sure this weekend is going to be filled with watching that. So that's the one that's like number one priority on the DVR. Okay. We also had uh, Defending Jacob too. We watched that. Oh, I think you talked uh, about that last yeah, time. Yeah. yeah, that was back. Um, that was during the summer. I, I vividly remember that one. So... Uh, I say vividly remember. I, we watched <laughs> Defending Jacob. <laughs> I didn't really have to train the memory for that. All right. Okay. Yeah, good question there. I guess some non-draft non stuff uh, is always good. All right. Songbird Rescue Cat. Oh, I really liked this question. I thought this was a good one. He said, if you're Jalen Hurts or Nick Sirianni, do you feel supported by the move to go from 6 to 12 by the front office? What, what do you think about that? Well, I think if you're Jalen Hurts, absolutely, right? Because yeah. what what that move does is it effectively gives you the one-year audition. Um, and I don't think a second-round pick can ask for anything more than that, right? That in year two, you get to go into training camp as the frontrunner to be the starting quarterback. That's a, that's a very good outcome for Jalen Hurts. Um, for Nick Sirianni, I would say it's like six or a half dozen. You know, uh, it, it doesn't necessarily sway <laughs> one way or the other there um, because, yeah, I mean, I suppose you can look at it like, you know, he'll he'll have more of a chance to, to, to kind of build this team going forward. That being said, in theory, and I know we discussed this the last podcast, but uh, your chances, your, your odds of hitting on that pick is less at 12 than it is at six. And, and I mean, I, I, I shouldn't say your odds. The quality of player that uh, you're gonna get—it's harder to get a, 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 a that quality of player at twelve than at six. Yeah, I would agree with your assessment. I mean, you said it with Hertz. How could he be anything but happy about this? It, it lessens the chances that uh, they're going to draft a quarterback, and certainly in the first round. And so, you know, it suggests that they're going to give him a real shot to prove himself. And like you said, that's all you can ask for. And Sirianni, it's probably like, you know, it doesn't really uh, matter that much. You know, maybe he would have loved to get that elite pass catcher at number six, but they're still going to get a really good player at 12, and there's still a good chance it's going to be an offensive player. So I think he's got to be fine with that. Now, were you able to watch this? Uh, I haven't been able to watch this yet, but I've heard it's fantastic. Uh, DFOP Fran. Duffy did a piece, I think, with Nick Sirianni on the Eagles website where, you know, by all accounts, Sirianni comes across uh, really well, kind of the best he's come across in any appearance since he was hired as the, as the head coach. Have you had a chance to check that out? I have, and I would agree with that assessment. And it goes to uh, something we spoke about after the opening press conference, which is like, obviously, when you're a head coach, you're the spokesperson of the team. But like answering those types of questions is fundamentally different than just talking football and talking scheme. Talking ball, right? yeah. Exactly. So <laughs> yeah, Syria and and I give a lot of credit to Fran uh, because first off, uh, uh, Sirianni, you can tell respected Fran. Like and and Fran knew what to ask, knew how to frame it, right? Um, knew how to make the conversation such that it was a degree of sophistication to it that would allow. Sirianni to uh, to to come for, you know to put it in relatable terms for the, for those listening. So I I, uh, I I did agree with that assessment. It was enjoyable watching it, and I it would behoove the team. Um, I, I mean, if I, I would say far be it for for me to give PR advice, but <laughs> put like Sirianni in, the, in those situations. Let us talk football with him. You know, um, it it would allow us to understand it and convey it to the audience better, and it would probably make Sirianni more comfortable as well. 
Yeah, I I think it's uh, well said. I look forward to watching that. It's not surprising. I you know Fran has a very high uh, hit rate. I feel like in all the content he produces, and he's part of the you know I would say the best sort of uh, analysts and draft nicks, and he he falls into both of those. I would put Dean Brugler in this category. Are like the uh, the people who really do the work and know what they're talking about, but are not uh, know it alls. You know what I mean? Like there's well the, there are kind of different factions of it where you can tell when somebody's just like, all right, you know, this guy's just spends half the day smelling himself and thinks he's God's gift to this. And then there are uh, the people who actually know what they're talking about, but are open to other opinions and uh, have, as you would say, nuanced takes and those types of things. So, uh, although, yeah, Dane, I I know you you mentioned the beast, uh, but incredible. Uh, I haven't gone through all of it yet, but but one thing I do is I, I go to edit find and I put in Philadelphia. Just to make sure that there's no local <laughs> players that I'm missing, and oh um, my god, you Dane, sicko! That Dane is on had, brand. No, Dane has such an outstanding nugget. Aziz Ojolari, am I pronouncing it correctly? Yeah. Uh, his parents met in Philadelphia before oh. moving before moving to the Atlanta area. Um, oh. But but like. What uh, and this is where I give Dane credit—not just like an evaluator, but like the nuggets that he puts in there. That is, that's a reporter right there. Well done. So, uh, yeah, so check that out. But that was my favorite nugget that I've seen so far. I think uh, Ojalari is—he uh, might quickly become the official. Uh, sort of draft crush of birds with friends. I mean, he's checking a lot of boxes. Uh, he's had production. He's he's at a premium position. Um, you know, he would certainly be a fit. And parents met in Philadelphia, so we appease Zach there. Uh, and I think he's one. twenty years old, so I, I I think Bo would like him. Oh wow! Yeah. Okay, I, I need right. to confirm that, but I, I believe he's 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 twenty years old. Okay. Well, we will uh, we will nail that down maybe in the uh, in the next episode. Well, big episode for Ojalari here in for Birds with Friends. I'm sure that'll uh, get back to him. Okay. What do we got here next? Daniel says, "Why are cornerbacks more valuable than a linebacker or a guard?" Looking around the NFL outside of Jalen Ramsey, it feels like a competent starter like Darius Slay helps but doesn't tip games. Feels like picking a corner at 12 is likely not getting you a game changer, whereas a wide receiver, defensive end, or offensive tackle would. Uh, I think it's a I think it's a fair question, especially now. This is where it depends on like you know how confident are the Eagles decision makers that they're going to be running like the Jonathan Gannon scheme for the next three to five years. And I guess you have to approach the draft like you're going to do that, but. Based on what we know, it's going to be a lot of zone coverage. And so, um, you know, zone corners, I would say, are not as valuable as man corners. Even a player like Jair Alexander, uh, you know, who is among the best zone corners in the NFL. Like, look at the Packers' overall defensive performance the last couple of years. It has not been great. Now, you know, you could really say that about any position, I guess. You could be a great player, and, it, you know, that doesn't mean necessarily, unless you're a quarterback, really, that the whole unit is going to be good. But I do think it's something worth thinking about with a team like the Eagles. You know, a guy like Sertan is considered a press man corner. Now, Every team plays zone. Every team plays man. Certainly in high leverage situations on third down, you're going to be playing man covered. So I'm not trying to paint it like it's going to be like 90% zone. It's not going to be that. But you are going to be playing more zone, I think, than the average defense. And so then does it make sense to uh, use a premium pick on a cornerback? I think that's absolutely a valid question. Uh, Guard, I mean, my take is just that, uh, you know, I'm not saying it's not important. I just think there are more avenues to find a competent guard. And if you have a great guard, um, that's fantastic. But if you have like between a, uh, you know, like on a scale of one to 10, between like a four and a seven. I don't know that there's a huge difference there uh, in terms of guard, uh, in terms of your overall team performance. And I would say linebacker is pretty interesting with this scheme. You know, if you have a three down linebacker who's going to stay on the field and impact the passing game, I actually uh, feel less strongly than I did maybe a couple of years ago that like, that's not a premium position. I think it's more justifiable that that kind of guy can really have a big impact. So as as far as cornerbacks go, in the past three years, uh, there have been ten players who've been named to first team or all uh, uh, a first team or second team all all pro lists by either 
the AP, Pro Football Writers Association, like Sporting News, different places that uh, do it. Um, that's uh, Xavier Howard, Jalen Ramsey, Jair Alexander, Tredavious White, Stefan Gilmore, uh, Richard Sherman, Marcus Peters, Kyle Fuller, uh, uh, Patrick Peterson, and uh, Byron Jones. Um, in that group, the first-round picks are Ramsey, Alexander, White, Gilmore, Peterson, Fuller, mm-hmm. uh, Jones, right? And I, I know we can probably do this at, at, at most positions. You know, the, the top guards are Quentin Nelson and, and, and Zach Martin, right? Um, you know, linebackers, you can say, uh, well, uh, you know, Devin White was, a, I would have to look, I, I know Fred Warner was first team all pro last year. He obviously was, was not a first round pick, but most of the top corners are taken in the first round. Uh, and, and so the point that is, is made in the question is a valid one, probably to get like a, a league average one. Uh, it's easier just because, you know, there are, are, are more people who are six foot and 180 than there are who are, you know, uh, it's, it's the old Bill Parcells theory. But uh, for the elite ones, you're still looking at the top of the draft. Yeah, I, I think that's well said. And, and the bottom line is you want to find blue chip players. Um, you do want to take into account positional value, certainly at the extremes with things like quarterback and running back. But maybe, you know, in that in sort of a lot of these positions, um, you know, maybe you're just looking for uh, the best player and that that player is going to have an impact. OK, uh, Sean says, given how he's track record of top 15 picks, should the pipe dream of an offensive weapon uh, be reconsidered and the focus more on offensive line, defensive line, or cornerback? Well, Howie's track record in the top 15 has not included that offensive weapon, right? So mm. um, it's it's hard to – so uh, do we in, in, interpret this question like should that pipe dream go away because Howie won't do it or because they distrust Howie's ability to find that offensive weapon? And I would say Howie hasn't, hasn't swam in that pool yet where – He's he's taking one of the, you know the, uh, the the wide receiver that were the tight end in the top fifteen. Um, so uh, I think how- he's distrusting. I think Sean okay. is distrusting, saying okay. like we don't trust Howie to pick the right uh, wide receiver or tight end or offensive weapon. Yeah, I and, believe is what he's saying. And Howie, you know the the top fifteen picks that that Howie has made have been uh, Derek Barnett, uh, Carson Wentz. Lane Johnson, Brandon Graham, and Fletcher Cox. Um, so actually, his his hit rate on the top fifteen picks has has been decent. You know, Graham eventually, right? Uh, now Barnett, the jury's still out there, but Cox, Wentz, um, and Lane Johnson were good picks. Uh, so, but uh, again, they all fit that type, and that's that. You know, if, if uh, how he came up under that Joe Banner, Andy Reid school of thought. So uh, it's hard to say in, in in terms of should that that pipe dream go uh, go away, but I would say Howie has a better track record um, in the top fifteen than than maybe his reputation in Philadelphia at the moment would suggest. Yeah, and maybe that's part of what he's saying is that he's had a better hit rate yeah. on those positions, offensive line and defensive line. Um, so should they consider that? I don't know, but I think that was a, I, I think you said it there. Okay. Uh, Justin asks if, if Jamar Chase or Kyle Pitts slides to number nine, where the Broncos are picking, what would a trade up take to get ahead of Dallas and the New York giants? Now I didn't, I have my spreadsheet here, uh, somewhere. Okay. Nine All right, here. I've got a pretty good one. Okay. So the bears moved up from 11 to nine in uh, 2016 and they gave up a fourth round pick Hmm. uh the cardinals and raiders had a trade from 15 to 10 in 2018 and the cardinals moved up five spots and gave up a third and a fifth so that's the neighborhood you're talking about is a probably a third or a fourth round pick to move up from 12 to nine if you really want a uh, player like that, what do you think? What do you think the odds are of them making a trade up if somebody like that falls? Well, given that they have the most picks in the draft this year, it's I certainly wouldn't rule it out. Uh, that being said, I, I I think by them trading down to twelve, they were fairly comfortable with what the board was going to show at twelve. Uh, but but yeah, if 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 Chase or or Pitt slides, probably more Chase. 
then I absolutely think that they should entertain that, and it 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 would make sense if if you can get the player you were thinking about at six, and still pick up that for that uh that first round pick next year. Uh, that's that's a really good outcome for the Eagles. Yeah, I think it's still probably unlikely that they make a move up and get that aggressive, but um, you you do make a fair point there. Also, I don't think either of those guys is going to slip to uh, the number nine pick. It, it would actually, I think, more realistically be if they wanted to trade up for like a Waddle or uh, you know even Devontae Smith or something. And again, I don't think that's going to be likely. I think they would probably stay put, and I would say it's more likely they trade back at this point uh, then they trade up. Okay. Uh, a couple more here real quick. Uh, Fred, Oh, from the UK loves the pod from the UK. I would love to go to the UK. Wouldn't you go, wouldn't you love to have like a, a nice London game in a, in a, uh, non pandemic world on the schedule this fall, Zach? I believe there's a one in five chance that the Eagles oh. will have one because the Eagles play the Falcons. The Falcons have announced that they are going to London um, or maybe it's a one in six chance, but uh, because I don't believe you play the division games there, I could be wrong oh. about that. But regardless, okay. I, at worst case scenario, it is it is one of eight, or yeah, it's it's a one of eight chance. So all right, so if it's safe to travel, I'm gonna have to come up with story ideas <laughs> that I can only uh, I can only produce in the UK and in Vegas this fall. I you think. have you you've done exceedingly well during free agency. I think you have some muscle to flex when it comes to travel. Okay. I like that. Maybe, maybe, maybe this is the time. That's true. I've been stuck in my basement for a year. I'm saving you a lot of money. Whoever's listening. All right. Uh, Fred from the UK. Thank you for listening, by the way, from the UK says peck nest migrate the Eagles 2022 first. Oh, I guess is this the same question we had? Wentz, the indie pick. Yeah. yeah, This is ranking. Yeah. So uh, we, we ranked it. This is, this is comparable to that. Yeah. Okay. All right. Uh, but I appreciate sorry. you listening from the UK, yeah. Fred. Thank you, Fred. Uh, all right. Okay. Uh, Otis says, "You're love that name, by the way. Otis. Fantastic. You're an NFL GM and a genie offers you either a top 10 pick every year or two first round picks in the 20s every year. Which would you choose? I really like this question. And uh, my first impulse was to go with volume the two first-round picks every year. Uh, but I think that from a game theory perspective, I don't know if you call it game theory, but from a uh, roster-building perspective, a strategy perspective here, if you have that top 10 pick, you can use that to trade down and add a future pick, which has a better chance of of being, uh, of being of giving you two top 20 picks the following year, right? Um, so I want that top 10 pick every year because there is more optionality and I could still accumulate picks, uh, but you can do the, the trade back or the multiple trade back scenarios and add picks that way. The higher you start, the more options you have. So give me the top 10 pick every year. That's interesting. Okay. Uh, see, I thought of it in the opposite way. I thought I want the two first round picks in the twenties every year because I can trade up and get in the top 10, uh, Anytime I, if I really want to, because I've got extra volume. And so I, I was looking at it as the opposite. Um, but I, I don't know. We might need like Dennis, our uh, game theory yes. aficionado to, to come in and explain to us which one of these uh, would be better. Okay. Let's get to the last one here before we sign off. I'm trying to look and see which is the, uh, which is the best one. Let's go with uh, this, just the next one on the list from Meek Grill Hot Dog. He says, honest question, who would you trust more to run the Eagles franchise long-term, Howie Roseman or Daryl Morey? Uh, that's a good question. <laughs> I mean, I I, I I think a story came up that Daryl was offered an, an NFL opportunity. Oh, really? Right? Um, I don't know. Yeah, I believe that that was the case. Uh, you know, and it wasn't, it, it, it didn't come out uh, for whom, but, uh, but yeah, you know, Daryl's obviously a really smart guy. The Sloan Conference is going on right now. He's 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 one of the founders of it. I would still say Howie, right? Like Howie has, uh, you know, uh, say what you will about him. You know, he's been in football for twenty years. I think um, uh, there's obviously strategy that that goes involved that is involved in, uh, in that can blend across the sports, right? That you can apply from basketball to football and. I was actually watching a Maury interview uh, recently with Rich Eisen where he framed it well. He said, you know, the NBA is 
10 years behind Major League Baseball and the NFL is 10 years behind the NBA. So that would make the NBA 20 years behind baseball. Um, well, I'm sorry, that would make the NFL the 20 NFL, years behind, yeah. Yeah, behind baseball. So uh, so clearly Daryl would bring a level of insight and ingenuity that um, that would uh, that would function and, and, and creativity that I, I think an NFL organization could want. But um, Howie uh, has been in the league for 20 years and is a creative person. You know, there are things that... that he would tell you he needs to work on and we would tell you he needs to work on but uh but I would probably still go Howie on on that list but I'm a big Daryl Morey um you know I I'm very impressed by Daryl Morey yeah I think I think I would actually go with Morey I think he would pluck all the low-hanging fruit that there is out Mm -hmm. there uh and kind of say um you know tradition be damned and you know this is what we're gonna do it's gonna give us an edge and I mean the big thing with him is he you know he's already proven sort of he's he found an edge, you know, whether it's just three pointers or whatever, like, you know, all right, this is an inefficiency. This is how we're going to play. This is how we're going to build our team. And he did that. And so, you know, I don't think you, we've talked about it. I don't think you've got to be the best and the brightest to run an NFL team. I don't think that's who is running NFL teams. I think a lot of it is, can you create a culture where, uh, you know, everybody sort of feels uh, supported and pulling in the same direction. And then also, can you, you know, do some of those things that you mentioned in terms of creativity, uh, innovation, and not being afraid to take some of those swings. So, um, you know, I, I don't disagree with your assessment of, of Howie there, but I think I would be more inclined to kind of take a swing on Daryl Morey. Okay. Well said. Uh, a real, there's there's one more here that uh, you can just answer quickly. Uh, okay. But, but because you have done some work on, on the draft so far, last one here, Jason Hankey said, if Hertz was in the draft this year with the benefit of NFL teams having seen him play for the Eagles last year, where would he be drafted? Rank among the QB prospects. So, so basically, those top five quarterback prospects is Hertz in that group. Does he come before uh, Jones, Lance, or Fields, or is he after that group and in the like uh, the next group of maybe you know Kellen Mond or um, you know Mills or Trask, that kind of player? Yeah, I, I think he's sort of the marker in between those two groups. Okay. I think the top, I think the top five would go ahead of him. Uh, but I think he would be the first of the next group or the last of the first group, however uh, however you want to term it. And I, I do think some teams would have him um, above a couple of those players, but I think ultimately the most likely scenario would be he got drafted after that first group of quarterbacks. Well said. Okay. All right. Well, thank you for listening to both. Thank you for listening. I know you are somewhere just uh, probably shedding a tear that you weren't a big part of the show, but you got your opening in there. And I'm sure we'll get to more with you uh, next week. But uh, that'll do it for us here for Zach Berman and Marissa Morris. This has been Shield Kapadia and Birds with Friends. And, uh, you know, you're, you're not the worst people in the world, uh, especially those of you, I guess, uh, who chimed in from the UK and left reviews and left ratings and uh, got questions into us. So thank you for listening.